Hello there, I'm Orla Bnilis. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> and this is The Recommendation Game, a sometimes weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch it and then we meet to discuss it. You are listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film is Being Frank, the Chris CV story. And the synopsis is... Oh yeah, sorry, also uh, from 2018. Uh, <laughs> Not to be confused with Being Frank from 2018. From 2018. <laughs> yeah, if you Google just Being Frank, like this film is very... It's on like the third page of results or something, which is what happens when you make a Netflix movie. So the synopsis is... The life of maverick Manchester comedian Frank Sinebottom and his hidden creator, Chris Seavey. Frank, well known for his paper mashy head, was part of the Manchester music and comedy scene for over 25 years. That was shocking. That is very underwhelming. Um, <laughs> that wasn't even... That was like the first line of the review. That wasn't even like... And the movie was directed by Steve Sullivan, produced by Robert Orr Atherton, Sally Hodgson, Adam Adam Partridge, Hank Stars, Steve Sullivan, and Alex Osborne. Music by Chris Seavey, brackets as Frank Sidebottom. Cinematography by Ezra Byrne, and edited by Steve Sullivan. <laughs> uh, this next film was picked by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this film? Um... I, I love this movie, um, which is as good a reason as any to pick a movie for this podcast, I suppose. Agreed. Um, like, I, I really like this movie a lot. Like, I watched it in the lighthouse with Alex during a film festival, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went into it just knowing that the movie was based on uh, the Frank character, but... I haven't seen Frank either. Oh, oh, weird. Okay. So I wasn't completely aware. Like I knew of the the head. You know what I mean. Uh, uh, I was aware of the head. But that that was as far as it went. You know. But from having listening to having listened to interviews with uh, Fassbender when he was touring for the film, and. Also, like reviews and things, I was expecting something completely different to this, uh, yeah. because the, the the thing that it seems to be in, in Frank is that obviously it's just inspired by Frank Sidebottom uh, more than anything is the the idea of the head and the idea that even the John Bronson, who co-wrote Frank, is interviewed mm. in this movie, and he questions in the documentary uh, if Frank is an act or a separate part of Chris. And I think that he went with that thesis to make Frank rather than tell tell the Chris Seavey story. It seems to be two completely different animals. Um, Yeah, Frank is very, very different to this. It is inspired, but also Frank takes as like because uh, Donald Gleason is kind of more the main character in it and he kind of comes into this band I don't think any of the band members are based on real people or if they are they're kind of yeah. like it's not the freshies it, it's like the band around Frank himself um, but uh, it seems to take more of a this is a man well hold on, I don't want to spoil it for you though are you, do you think you're going to watch Frank? Well, like eventually I might, yeah, like a yeah. uh, uh, like Lenny Abrams. It's more so. about this character possibly having a mental illness than 
or that rather than it being you know it it goes much more further down that road say than yeah. like the actual story of Chris Seavey so it's still really really good it's really good and also Fastbender is amazing and the music is brilliant like Fastbender singing is excellent yeah, like uh, I I heard a, a couple of his of the songs of the movie, and uh, I was curious. Like, uh, it's one of those movies I never got around to watching, rather than something that I actually have something against for not yeah. watching. Especially because I do like I seen every other Lenny Abrahamson movie, and I mm-hmm. like them all. So I don't know. Just like I said, I didn't get around to it. My God, like uh, for one, I, I think that this movie uh, completely benefits from having uh, depth and wealth of uh, archive footage mm. from Chris Avery from the moment that he's really young to up to the last gig that he does as Frank. And I think the decision of how to use that footage is very uh, clever by the director. Mm. And it's clearly made by somebody that is a huge fra- f- fan of Frank, uh, of Chris Sivy as well, not just Frank. Uh, much like uh, biographies of John Lennon that are focused on John Lennon's entire life, not just the Beatles. This is the, the same kind of approach that the, uh, the movie is not just about the Frank bit of the Chris TV mm. story. And I think that it is like in the title, there is the thesis of the movie that is both about being Frank, but it is the Chris TV story. And yeah. it's not Frank is being Frank is the idea of him playing that character. Um, but I do find it really interesting. The, the paradoxes of, Frank and little Frank, uh, little Denise as well. For one, I think it's like I've never laughed so much watching a documentary. Uh, I think, it, but it's also like able to be uh, have its cake and eat it too. That um, makes you laugh, it makes you cry, but it also makes you think about the concept of performance and of art and where to go and how of it both its creation and dissemination and i think that there's not many movies that are able to carry that off Uh, it is also one of the best character studies that i've seen in a long time both in the fictional level or a documentary you really feel like you met chris from watching this movie you you leave the like I left the cinema the first time and it just stayed with me the fact of like you almost want to be go back in time to be there to buy his records when he was making them but then you're like oh but then if he became successful Frank wouldn't exist as well and like I really like um, absurdist comedy as well and the idea how. Uh, I think his brother says that um, Chris came up with the the smartest dumb shit to do as Frank as possible. And it's such a fine line. It's like somebody that's truly in control the, to be able to do that. That is like, let's do the most stupid thing that I can find. And also it's like, it's so lovingly told, but it doesn't shy away from his defects as a human being. But it's almost that the his defects are kind of 
that without those defects, you wouldn't have the guy that was there because clearly he had some sort of ADHD and uh, probably in the spectrum. And I like yeah. that the movie doesn't go <clears throat> into that. But also you think about like nowadays and as soon as he started doing the shit that he does in school, he'd be medicated nowadays. Like he he wouldn't be allowed to Yeah. Also starts his legs and stuff. About what role the internet would have played in his <laughs> rise, stardom, whether or not he would have shirked the internet, I don't know, but I think that's definitely interesting. Uh, I do like I, I think that the biggest laugh in the movie uh, the two biggest laughs in the movie are when they put the the entirety of uh, the lineup in the F- Reading Festival that Frank Sidebottom played and it's like Nick Cave and like uh, ELO and like Public Image Limited and stuff and it's like Frank Sidebottom there's like 10,000 people just shouting little Frank little Frank it's genius I think think the the movie takes as much care and attention to the little things um Mm. as chris did that like you know the the almanac with the history of the of the big shorts the what is it what's the name of the town yeah what's the name of the yeah that they had to all play with big shorts as well um were were they called the big shorts yeah they had to play with big shorts (laughs) Yeah, the Tipperly Big Shorts, they, they were called. And, like, the logo is just his big head. But everybody had to wear, like, shorts up to their teeth and stuff before it was fashionable. Um, but I, I think also that it's a movie that if you go in cold, you really, really enjoy it. Um, mm. It's one of those few films that leaves you smiling and... But I kind I really like his music as well from like the funnier ones like uh, I fell in love with the like uh, um, uh, the girl uh, so <laughs> check out girl it's so catchy but um, I think that it's like a real tragedy you leave like literally that with the the same feeling that his friends left with that he didn't play all his cards. Mm. The, his five-year plan didn't get completed. And he was very young when he died. I didn't realize he was only like fifty-four or something. Yeah. The, uh, again, uh, I'll, I'll get to uh, when we're talking about archive and stuff. There's a couple of things I'd like to mention, but uh, I think it's also really depressing when you stick through the credits and you realize that his youngest son died <gasps> like shortly after earlier. making the movie. So uh, like sad. in the car crash. Yeah, like Harry, uh, who is like a really good interviewee as well. Like, uh, mm. and, um, I think the, the the other thing about the the, the movie as um, a film, uh, it's hugely cinematic because so much of it is shot by Chris Ivey. Uh He was such a good filmmaker, but the <laughs> parts that are shot by Steve Sullivan are equally quirky and funny. Like the way that he decides to dress people it reminded me of a Werner Herzog documentary in a way you know that is like why is he wearing a sailor suit and just hanging next to yeah I wondered how much of that was like the direction or just what those people wore I don't know it was very weird yeah everybody seems to be well like to be around Frankie I suppose he had to be well like around Chris he had to be a particular type of person especially for the <laughs> duration of his career and stuff but 
above all, it's such a testament and love letter to people that just create like the idea of the the end product as a thing rather than what you do with that thing once it's out in the world. Um, it's so important nowadays because even you see people on YouTube and stuff that is like, oh, I'll do the same as this other person. And you yeah. get stuck in this entire loop that has taken a hold of the film industry because everybody's just trying to do and match what the other person did because they want to match the result rather like the the end they want to match the result but not the end product so they want to cut corners and stuff and so um without further ado orla mcnealis what did you think of being frank the story of chris cv please tell me you liked it i think it's quite funny actually that uh you've never seen frank that's quite because that was my first real introduction to frank or chris Evie at all but i the name chris Evie was not in my head like i had no real i knew obviously that it was a real person and that it was kind of an act and but like, i don't even remember frank that well you know i, I remember seeing it. i think i saw it in the cinema and i really liked it mostly because i was obsessed with michael fassbender and Dylan gleason in equal measure um <laughs> also maggie gyllenhaal's in that movie playing the theremin which is very cool i remember mark Hermode loved it because he also loved uh lenny abrahamson but um i had a very lovely moment last night when um I John was over and I was telling them that I'd watched this documentary and I was like oh my god you love this documentary so much and uh, he was like what's it about and I was like you know Frank Sidebottom and he was like no and I was like you know Frank the movie and he was like yeah I was like well the guy that that's based on he was like that's a real person I was like wait a second John loves puppets he loves absurd humor he loves like British humor like it's I was like oh my god John, John. So I showed him the trailer, which I think doesn't really do the film justice. It's just Not a, it's at very all, trailery. No. It's but it sells the movie. Like you know, it's like feel good, blah blah blah. But uh, I showed him that, and he was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" He's like, "I didn't realize this is a real thing." I was like, "Dude, you have a lot of catching up to do." <laughs> so happy. He's like, "I brought this into your life," because um, he loves like partridge and everything. Like he, oh my god. But uh, yeah, that was, that was very funny last night. But um, um, yeah, so I didn't have like, I didn't really have any background on the Chris CB thing, I don't think. Um, so I learned a lot about his actual background, like what you were saying about um, the fact that you get both things. It's not really about Frank. It's about Chris CB, which is really interesting. But uh, I did. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, thank God. I well, well, once you said that you recommended it to your fella, like I, I presumed uh, you wouldn't be like, watch this shit movie. <laughs> you never know. Um, <laughs> you know how many people I've got to watch? <laughs> oh, what a lovely war. God. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh. it, it began and at the very start, it was a little... I was like, oh, this is a wee bit BBC Two music documentary, is it? It's a little bit television at the start. Um, but the film really develops. And I think what you were saying is true because so much of it is Chris Seavey's work. Like he's almost directing it in a way, you know, like it, it's very loving in that sense because it's being made by somebody kind of in the same way of like something like Amy where... When he started making that movie, he knew nothing about it. But he spent so much time 
in her archives of video and photographs and everything like when he talks about her and about that movie it's quite poignant because he really felt like he knew her at the end because he spent so much time with her so and then obviously talking to all the people that he knew and stuff so um I always find it fascinating in things like this of people who uh they had video cameras before anyone else like because I was saying um because uh we were looking back through like old photographs and stuff like me and Kira and I was going back through my archive and everything and it's funny like I don't think there are any videos of us as kids I think there might be one maybe when like our parents friends or cousins or something came over with a video camera and then there's like school plays and stuff but that's it there are there's no video record of our childhoods whatsoever I find it fascinating like obviously now everybody photographs and videos everything but you know looking back at like all the work that he did from like teenage years up it's quite it's such a rich archive and thinking about like because at the very start there's like the disclaimer where um it was basically found in like a basement and it was all moldy and he had to like sort through it and like going by any of the photographs or videos that there were of um uh, Chris's various houses <laughs> I feel like it probably wasn't that organized yeah so um even that from a research and archive perspective is quite incredible well like that's uh, the 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 kickstarter because this movie was uh funded mm. mainly through kickstarter first and then he had to go back to get it refunded but I think that the second time it was like another kickstarter campaign but it wasn't allowed to be called Kickstarter because you can't have it uh, twice. So you see that it says oh. like supported by Kickstarter mm. and then post Kickstarter campaign. But like basically the entire money was spent on getting the uh, converting the uh, mm. the prints and everything to the same format. Hours and hours and hours. And also just to pay for him to be able to like watch everything because that's a full-time job. You'd spend like 20 years like just looking at one box maybe like. I think although I really really like I'm I'm, this is just it's not a massive complaint but I just want to get in here before I start talking about other things. Um, The interviews I like the interviews because it the perspective of his friends and family are very important but I do wonder if sometimes he relies a little bit too much on showing the interviews and I think part of that as well is that how he shot the interviews annoyed the bejesus out of me I hate those low angles I really hate them and they're it's like cricky and I was like oh I don't know I hate, I see them being used more and more even in like corporate video and I'm just like, it's awful. I hate this angle. It just looks so stupid. Um, and like, it's not all bad, but like obviously most interviews are really good and it's important to have them, but I don't know if I would have preferred if they were like slightly less reliant on that or something. But uh, at the same time, it's not like, not a massive complaint. I kind of forgot about it as the thing went on because yeah. you become very invested. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, the interviews felt, that was the most, like, BBC documentary, you know what I mean, of it, which kind of... But the movie cost about 20,000 euro to make, I think you shot it on the EX3 or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is fine, but it's like, yeah, I don't know, it's like somewhere between, maybe he should have shot them on VHS, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hard to know. Um, I do think this is, like, it's such an incredible portrait of, like someone who's 
just entirely driven by the need to create like and him having the possibility of ADHD or something makes complete sense when because the more it goes on the more you're like how does a human have time to do that kind of thing like to, to just to to produce that much work and stuff that's incredibly time consuming like the drawings and the like and how just all the mad shit of the detail he was doing a comic book like of like adding the code into the court the borders of all the pictures and stuff i was like who who even has the like yeah there's some people where obviously like we'll talk later about the fact that chris obviously neglected everything else in his life and completely gave himself over to this which is like another thing, but at the same time, there are some people in like in life where I, I don't understand how they seem to have more hours in the day than a normal person does. Yeah. But at the same time, like someone, like there has to be something behind that about a certain level of like to be that driven, like to the detriment of your life. Nearly is is kind of it's uh, it's an interesting discussion. I think I do think there's an awful lot of Terry Hooley in this. Uh, and like good vibrations oh yeah the, um, i thought of that when i picked it that's part of yeah. the reason that i picked it because i thought that you'd make the connection so i'm glad that you yeah. you brought it up yeah oh no we know how we know how much i love good vibrations and yeah. how much we love terry hooley uh, but it's it's the energy and, and passion and the complete and utter refusal to give up um and like the, the comedic nature of Terry Hooley as well. Like he's such a character obviously he's not as much of a character as chris Seavey is because nobody is but at the same time like not just that movie, even documentaries about Terry Hooley and stuff as well. Like, the man is a lunatic. Lunatic. Will not give up. Like, the end of that film where it's like, Good Vibrations closed in 1994 and then reopened in 1995 and then closed. <laughs> you know, it's like someone who just... He's so dedicated to his, like, motion, his, like, passion that he was never gonna give up and also to the neglect of his family. And, like, it's, there's so many of these stories... Um, that center around like men who have like like whatever about their level of success but their level of like ambition and everything and how there always seems to be like a woman sort of like sidelined and like stuck with all the responsibilities and stuff but I find like the interviews with his wife fascinating because like a lot of them she's kind of I don't know if she like made peace with everything he did or something. So when she talks about, you know, him using their home phone number and giving it out on TV oh, Jesus, and, stuff, yeah, that's and how they had to stop ringing the, or like answering the phone because it was just crazy people. And she says it all with such affection. And I was like, you are a woman of infinite patience because I would have killed him. <laughs> I would have yeah, killed also, him years like, ago. Yeah, but also like the way that she opens about how she fell in love with him because she threw him with a dirty like Salford canal it's kind of like if that's the the, the start of your relationship do you get married yeah. two weeks later you're yeah. kind of like in the same boat in that kind of thing I think that they were perfectly matched that way and I think from her interview that's kind of but like when you said about like the sign like the women and stuff like yes and no I think because she still had her career throughout the the thing. She mm. had her job and etc. Because, like, wearing a paper mache head doesn't fucking... Until he got into television, doesn't pay the bills. 
And yeah. also, he didn't pay the bills anyways, which is hilarious. Though and they just like they, they just take the tally away. Money. Let's go to the pub. <laughs> but um, but I think is they did mention the uh, uh, the the part when he stopped becoming a good father wasn't his dr- uh, his drive in um, for creation. It was mm. uh, alcoholism. That until yeah. he became an alcoholic. He was uh, a truly present and good father for the kids. Obviously, in the Chris Civi way. Yeah. He'd never be like a normal dad. But he was there. Like, he was a family man or whatever. So, I with don't they all, think... Like, that... all the... Yeah, with all the kids talking about him very affectionately as well. Even, like, the youngest son who's, like... You know, that's what they say. Is it, like, up until the third kid, he was very, very attentive. And then everything starts to kind of... But even like the youngest son who then tragically died, um, he speaks with such like warmth and love about his father because like Christie was never a bad person. That's the thing. Like Terry Hooley was never a bad person. You know, obviously, like the, a lot of what I know about Terry Hooley is based on a fictional film about him. But, you know, um, I have another example of that as well. Like they're not bad people. It's just that, you know, certain things took over in their life and they ended up yeah. not being as present as they should have been. But in the end, the love that they had for both their partners and their children is completely real, which is why them that comes across in the interviews. Like there's no, and like even like, you know, yeah, what about the interviews being used a lot, but the interviews are not edited as much, you know, they're not like they linger on her talking or on the kids talking often for quite long so it's you get real emotion out of people i think even if you're using incredibly stupid televisual low angles Ah, um (laughs) um yeah i i i i find films like this very interesting of kind of people who are kind of quote-unquote quote like geniuses or you know the kind of like excess of it um and like yeah i find interesting and like you know people who are like born with genius and people who like foster it or whatever and it made me think of um malcolm gladwell had that book out last year about um outliers i think and kind of like the idea of like is it prodigy or is it just that you have to do the ten thousand hours in order to become good at something (laughs) and i think chris is kind of like he's an interesting sort of case study in that of someone who like devoted so much of his time and like but not in like the traditional sense of like success or improvement of book you know like because so much of it was like entertainment or being true to himself rather than like perfecting his music or perfecting his art or perfecting so his video it, or whatever i think it's mentioned a couple of times in the movie that almost he was afraid of success and it kind of got proven uh by the fact that he got pigeonholed once frank became big that yeah even when he was about to become big in other ways he'd sabotaged himself yeah. or luck would conspire against him like the way that top of the pops was <laughs> to go off the air because of a strike <laughs> yeah when they, they were a hit and then when top of the pops came back they were gone kind of thing and even like having but it to is funny though, the, the freshies are great yeah like like the music is so catchy <laughs> like and even that song like the one that should have been their head like it just i love the like the thranness of it or something and parts of it made me think of um which is, i think is an interesting comparison is actually kurt cobain because he was someone who was 
in like chasing success and then once he got there hated it but as well had a kind of a like rebellious spirit to himself as well as also kind of like selling himself like Crooked Man was very interesting and he also had an insane creative output because he would paint and do all these incredibly weird art projects and stuff like a very troubled person obviously but interesting as well like how they were kind of like certain stunts that they did on like you know live music shows and stuff of kind of being like um but I find I find that of like on and off stage personas really interesting and this one goes a step further because of how they talk about how he was always you know when he was frank he was frank so before they went on stage or whatever like he was frank and they like the film's very well paced how they talk about that and like you know people who knew him for years he were in bands with them and everything and they're like yeah he was just always frank and then they cut from that to like video of him taking off the head yeah when he's in the boat it's so weird because at that point you haven't seen Chris's head in quite some time in the movie it's very well done so when he takes it off it's so shocking and also (gasps) he's aged so much from the last time that you've seen him Uh, that's uh, something that uh, it it was one of the points that I wanted to allude to that I think is genius when it's like the idea of being frank that you really like that edit makes you realize how long he was frank yeah. That if you're just saying like, oh, when he was, he started this year and then he finished this year, that's one thing. But it goes from like him trying to sell the Virgin Megastore Checkout Girl <laughs> single to him taking off the mask. And he's like in his 40s when he takes off the head. Yeah. And you, you lost 10 years of being frank. And I think that is really clever. as Because yeah. I'm, I'm sure that... He had a lot of uh, material in between that would uh, portray uh, Chris Ivy. But you don't get that shock and the realization the same way, I think. The same way how he holds the review only shows one shot of Chris Ivy while he's having cancer treatment. And then, like, just... And that was, like, a really shocking moment because... You know, you don't yeah. expect him to, to, to look that way. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you, you you caught it as well, let's say. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really, really poignant. And then, like, obviously then on you get more and more of it. But it's just, it makes you think even of, like, the sheer effort involved of doing that. Because it, like, shows you inside the head as well. And it's just, like, it's so handmade. And you're like the idea of wearing that on your head all the time how does he see anything how hot and sweaty and disgusting it must have been like part of it as well that i love it like even just talking about his that i forget how many avenues he pursued even like it makes me smile to think about the comic books like the detail and also oh, the, detail. the fact that they they sold it for like a pound I know they the the editors like you're putting too much effort into this. <laughs> the fact that he w- worked and learned how to do stop motion animation, working Bob the Builder, like just the thought oh of like. Oh my god! I forgot about the Bob the Builder thing. But I love that that he just kind of walked in and then didn't yeah, just leave. showed up to work. <laughs> yeah, I think that the saddest thing is like uh, also people. Um, <clears throat> 
mention it in the movie and i think that somebody put it really well that you only realize somebody is an alcoholic after everybody else stops drinking and then the person keeps at it and you go like this is something else this is not youth this is not craziness and i think part of it is that like his brother gave him lsd when he was young not realizing what it will do to chris evie you don't give chris evie cocaine you know, like, um, no. then it just cuts to like, oh, yeah, he did loads of coke. And then he's like in a strip bar with the Frank head, <laughs> doing Frank, which is still hilarious. Something has to be said about like the genius of create like that. They mentioned that is genius. That is like the idea of creating a puppet. But you have a puppet head over your head. So Neither voice is moving. <laughs> moving. But also the... Little Frank. When, the, when little Denise's head gets kidnapped, <laughs> and he just keeps doing the bit without the head because it's like, I do her it's voice anyway. What's the difference? <laughs> He's 2D. <laughs> and the way, like, I, I the, the meta thing about him, the Frank gets upset that people are more... Into uh, little Frank. In, into little Frank. You can, <laughs> you can imagine that. But it's the thing is, like, if you haven't seen the movie, like that that statement makes no sense. No, none of it makes any sense. So if you haven't seen the movie, or if you have no con- context for him whatsoever, like it's, yeah, it's. Oh, the costumes the... and their heads. The, the the way that he has like different heads for different yeah. styles that like, he has like the rockabilly head uh, it's not just sergeant like pepper's a, one <laughs> yeah yeah i do love the kind of um because of the the era of like the freshies and even like um frank sidebottom as well it's like it's so anti-cool you know what i mean it's like and i love how they have his wife saying that that she was like frank or chris was never like that you know and it was it's the kind of thing that like i wish that i'd seen when i was like a teenager like i wish i'd been aware of him when i was a teenager because i would have like got it so much more that it's like he's in the end he was so much more interesting than like even ian curtis was because it was like you know like no shade on ian curtis obviously i love joy division don't subsequent bands but like it's so like even now it's like anti <laughs> like it's just nothing that you're supposed to do you know it's like i love it it's so like there's pure. something uh, great like you know like fighting against the establishment is somehow pro-establishment but yeah. like not acknowledging the establishment and doing now. your thing it is so anti-establishment in a way yeah. Obviously, sometimes you have to take things with sort of a... After someone dies, there's always a little bit of a, like, nostalgic kind of look back on someone's life and stuff. But at the same time, there's... I don't know if it's because it's, like, this film is so British and all the people are so British that there's there's no, like... There's, like, obviously some people shed tears and stuff, but it's so, like, natural and pure the way they talk about him so much also, of it I is think like that it's it's that was been Chris. a while since he passed away it's not like the wound is not fresh let's say yeah, it's like they've already true. had the time to mourn and um and and also in a way it's a young uh he was young enough when he died but also he wasn't like 20 you know like yeah. it's different to to say like something like amy 
that if you interview Amy's mom, let's say, you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I wonder if Chris Evie's parents were alive while this was made, because that's like a perspective I would have enjoyed. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I do. Like, I really, really like it. I, I do wonder if they could have gone a little bit deeper, maybe into the like, maybe not as addiction, but like more into his relationship with Frank. I, I don't know. I, I think, but at the same time, it's it made me think of like reviews of the Mr. Rogers film as well. It's like, how much can you ever really know about somebody who's playing a persona? And also is the, the, the thing with uh, Frank is that you don't, for one is that the only person that truly knew what was going on was Chris Evie. And he's not yeah. there to be interviewed. And I doubt that he would ever had divulged exactly what was going on in his mind during the process but also is i don't want to know and in the end it's that it will end up in conjecture like uh, that uh, people saying what they think it, it was good or bad and how it affected him or didn't affect him and none of them are psychiatrists and even mm. if you bring a psychiatrist or a psychologist like they they wouldn't have met Chris. So yeah. you don't know how much it is like just an act or not. And maybe it's like the fact that he held the act up whenever like they were in the green room. It could have been just so the band will keep in character as well. Because yeah. um, if they were used to him being Frank, it would be less weird than him just turning it on and turning it off. So it could yeah. be something as controlled as that. But I think focus is the word that yeah. he has, which is a word that like, it's a funny idea of like, it's unfocused focus. Like, it's yeah, of, like what success is as well, you know, but like, he, like oh. in a way he didn't completely fulfill his potential, but at the same time, like he got to do so much of what was in his mind you know and it's not a standard idea of even like because so much of like creativity and creative output is monetized and you know packaged for social media accounts and all that kind of stuff and you know it, it's there's something very like pure i think pure is definitely the word that you is very apparent from like not even just this portrayal of him but even just reading about him or watching like videos of them or anything or even like the freshies you know it's like it's pure in a way that so few things are <laughs> so it's quite like what i found really moving as well and i think it's uh, uh such a a good metaphor for what chris Evie was and what he means like mm. for as a symbol let's say is his obsession with recording sunsets yeah oh yeah and I, I i thought that that was like incredibly moving in a way that it's like the f finality and completion of something that's why it came to my head that it's like it's the thing that he chased and he never got yeah just be able to say this is completed kind of thing it's a whole and i think but it's each part one of, is different yeah i do someone did say at some point about how 
in like multiple other dimensions out there somewhere Chris was a success <laughs> you know in the like standard sense of the word you know that that track made it and he became like whatever you know they became the clash or whatever you know like, yeah. I love also the 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 the, uh, the the cover picture for the first Frank Sidebottom album, that he's in the room and he's just covered with things, and somebody went like he, he painted must himself have, into the room. Yeah, like he he had to uh, do the set design and just lock himself in it because there was no way that he got into the bed afterwards and it was. Yeah, like, I'm so happy that you enjoyed the movie. I did, was... I really did. It was, yeah. And, like, even because I, I watched it, I was quite tired, and I was like, no, I'll do it now, you know, get out of the way and everything. And, like, it's not very long. It flies along. Like, it's... And even, because I was watching it, and I was like, what I like about it is that I think I know a lot of people who would not get Frank Sidebottom, would hate Frank Sidebottom, but would still like this documentary. And I think, in a way, that's kind of that's kind of beautiful as well because it's like yeah he's quite specific <laughs> so being able to make something that's very true to somebody but at the same time it's not like alienating i think is quite impressive I, I i like i always i never knew that i needed it but i i, I needed to see a man a grown <laughs> man with a paper mache head pushing an old lady's head into a water <laughs> tank to make her Full eat a vhs just... tape yeah <laughs> What what was the 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 fake Franks the, the... oh yeah, <laughs> people who dressed up as him and then sent in pictures of it. Yeah, like, it's just, and somebody love, went like I love that because it, it makes me think of like the best parts of the internet, you know, where like people there's like you know a, a Twitter that's just like out of context screenshots from Phantom Thread. That's all that Twitter yeah. is, and it's just like. Is the but also is, I love the comment that somebody goes like oh yeah uh, most of the good ones are of little Frank because it seems to be easier to make <laughs> and I love how badly made little Frank is like his body <laughs> his head are not together like it's just <laughs> oh god it's just yeah I really really enjoyed it I really did I I think we should move on to. Uh, favorite things uh, yes. so Orla what's your favorite thing uh, probably the archive the archive and the use of archive yeah like it's no mean feat like we've talked about it but it's no mean feat to be able to just sort through all of that never mind pick out not like you know oh these are the most important points of someone's life but like even having all the rejection letters and how he shoots those. Like, those are the bits that, oh, for me, I love the very... factory records uh, rejection letter that is like yeah. your, reject- your real rejection letter is in the post. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so good. It did make me think a little bit of, like, 24-hour party people as well because, like, there's so much folly in that of, like, you know, would they get like, the amount of money that like factory records lost and stuff? But in the end, they didn't really care because it was all part of like the time. And uh, but yeah, I like the thing is as well is that like it's hard to shoot stuff like that and make it visually interesting. And people can do it really badly, not even badly, just like eh. and like even actually it made me think of um. I keep telling people about this video. Claire Gleason sent me this. She's reading a book about mudlarking. 
and uh which is uh i don't know if you know what mudlarking is but it's basically along like the thames and riverbanks where stuff washes up so you go along and you're kind of like just kind of along the shore and like collecting things like old roman pottery clay pipes whatever but the thames is like very rich in this because it's such an old city and the way the riverbed is and stuff but um someone made a video about it so just like this you know it has like a hundred views on vimeo 50 of which are mine and um but he he's talking to this one woman who collects all this stuff and he just has these shots of the stuff and like they're beautifully constructed they're so well done and like there's one where she found a glass eye and it's like the way he shoots the glass eye like they're just it's such a what seems like such a simple thing but it's quite important for a movie like this to be able to like not just yeah. because so much of it is artwork and everything like so much of like say something like amy is like video more than anything like they're obviously photographs as well but like there's so much of it where it's just weird shit like rejection letters and cds and you know like it's i think it's a real triumph and it adds so much because he's such a complicated person but uh yeah yeah what was your favorite thing my favorite thing is a specific shot yeah and it's when uh there's a marching band or uh, like a martial drum going in the background and chris evie left the camera on the floor and he starts doing <gasps> with his fingers the, the fingers uh, walking and mm-hmm. kid disappears for a bit and starts doing the same thing afterwards and it's the most human thing i've seen yeah. in film for so long and I had like I saw it on Monday and again obviously I had seen this before um, but when I saw it again I was really really tired and it's like I have to see it because tomorrow I won't be able to see it and we're recording Wednesday blah 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 (laughs) and uh, like plowing through it because it's like okay as soon as the movie finishes I'm going straight to bed you know that kind of like watching with like holding your <laughs> your eyes yeah. open kind of like me, tempted me, to me have a coffee, coffee but like tempted to have a coffee but you're like but then i won't sleep afterwards so <laughs> not worth it so uh but yeah like the that moment just woke me up like if it was an action scene or an explosion or something because it just hit me so hard like these moments of like really deep and powerful humanity and yeah just the home movies are incredible and everything it's oh the it has to be said so second favorite thing is <laughs> how he painted the nursery that he did oh the my Dalek. god with the mural and then yeah, like with... he, <sighs> he had the that he had a, the a scene from fucking Jarodowski's Holy Mountain, but with a Dalek in it, and I'm like, "Who are you? Like that? That if there is an encapsulation of Chris Evie, is somebody that would have watched the Holy Mountain on its release in Tipperly, and also like Doctor Who and Daleks." Oh, and I love like the whole thing that he did like the city tour Tipperly as well. <laughs> it's just oh yeah. It's, There's it's so terrible. many like you know part of it almost feels like um, like 
schemes, you know, like pyramid schemes. Somebody that won't stop to try to make money somehow. And and then the third thing that I really liked as well, uh, just to cheat, um, is that it doesn't show away that also his dream was to actually make a living and be able to provide to his family mm. through this. I think that it, sometimes um, it has to be said that it is quite romanticized the idea of being poor for your art. Yeah. It, it is romanticized that it is uh, romantic to be uh, uh, poor for your art, but it's not really when you live through it. It's the yeah. idea that everybody is like, that is a struggling, depressed artist. Is, Oh, you could be Van Gogh, and I can bet your ass that Van Gogh wasn't a happy person. Like it wasn't a good experience to be yeah. that. And but also there's, I talking about that. I do recommend you to. Uh, did you watch Nanette, the stand-up comedy show? No. It's very very good, and uh, there's a whole bit like in the end that is like serious, but it goes into like from art history to like gender politics and stuff, and she goes into Van Gogh quite deeply into like the misconception of people that they mm. have about him, to the idea that he was like not the idea, but part of it is that he was self-medicating by sniffing his own paint. And part of the part of the chemical that is in the paints make you experience the color yellow very vividly. So oh. it's one of the reasons. Like so, it really. But there's more. I'm not gonna ruin it for you. That's but fascinating. Like more revelations, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like I recommend anybody to watch Net. Like if this was a podcast that encompassed other things, but <coughs> movies, I would have picked it already because it's something that i think that you and our audience would particularly enjoy but we're not a stand-up comedy <laughs> recommendation show we're a movie <laughs> recommendation show god damn it god damn it what's your least uh, favorite thing uh least favorite thing mm, well like it's a hard one um i don't know like um like it's a movie that perhaps like with the interviews I think that I agree with you saying that they're perhaps not the the best shot things ever but oh. also they have their own they also have their own charm and to be honest this until you mention it I didn't I didn't feel distracted by them so be they're fine uh, it's just a start but my least favorite thing I don't know it's probably Perhaps that it skips a little bit over the the actual his death, uh, not to sound completely um, uh, heartless and stuff. And obviously, this is a movie that was made with the help of the family, um, with the agreement of the family and stuff. So, and I'm not talking about being like tasteless and stuff, but from the from the history that the movie portrays of Chris Seavey, mm-hmm. it clearly also documented that end of it. That there's one shot that alludes to it. Yeah. And I think that it, it'd be, considering that it is something that everybody goes through, 
yeah. having the perspective of somebody as unique as Chris Seavey would have been very not only like touching in the in the overall arc of the movie but also in a more elemental and uh, perhaps holistic way uh, be uh, interesting but obviously like the Basically, that I would have liked to have his perspective on it. Consider that it happened. Obviously, it wouldn't have. Mm. Like, I, I would have much preferred to discover that, like, Frank Sidebottom is performing in the pulp in, like, Glasgow. I do wonder, because there's so much of this where it's his friends going. But at the same time, I don't know. It seems like the kind of thing that Frank would do, you know, <laughs> where there are so many things, like even like him having the code in his drawings and stuff, where they never really knew if he was serious. So in an odd way, it'd be like the ultimate Frank, ultimate Chris Seavey prank to like actually be still alive. But yeah. Well, like, I, I, I think that even it's beyond Chris Seavey's powers to fake your own death. <laughs> you have to be... Uh, English kayaker to be able to do that. Okay, very specific reference. What? There was like an Englishman that like uh, pretended to have disappeared while kayaking and turned up in like Thailand twenty years later. Had he killed someone? I thought there was no, like he just wanted to like leave his wife and wasn't bothered getting a divorce or something. <laughs> the effort. You know how easy yeah, it is to get like, a divorce? You know yeah, what I know? Like, because I know from this film. <laughs> oh, yeah, like in. in England, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, let's go to the pub and celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, what are what is your least favorite thing besides the, the camera shots? I was just going to say the camera shot. Uh, <laughs> I know, but like the thing is that I need more depth from your answers <laughs> rather than... Uh, tough. Yeah, I, I think you're... I don't know. I feel... If they had a kind of embraced the aesthetic or something, I don't know, they would have been better. But other than that, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you about the the, the death thing. It, it, I understand why they did it because again, approval of family and everything. And but we can assume that he documented it and you know created why he was ill. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, we do have his final performance, which feels quite poignant. But Yeah, and also the fact that you don't see him and uh, somebody does mention the the weirdest thing about the, the gig was that he had to keep pulling his big shorts up. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So I, I don't... Which is both funny and poignant because... I know, but so much of this shorts. is like hilarious and also very poignant and like striking at the same time like it's such an incredible story and like i'm glad as well that uh did you know that this movie existed before you watched it no but it it is on amazon prime which i find very strange <laughs> but yeah if anyone is googling it you do have to google the full title because there's another film that came out as we alluded to earlier in 2018 that's called being frank yeah I, and it was a netflix movie. i actually it's got the seo i actually <laughs> i actually downloaded it by mistake because i thought that it was this movie and we started watching it and i was like i can't i don't remember jim gaffigan <laughs> being <laughs> and being frank uh, yeah, but no, I did. I really, really enjoyed it. I think I'll probably make my family watch it at Christmas. Um, it feels like a good, a good Christmas movie. 
but um it is indeed i think yeah yeah even like the ending whenever they unveil the statue and stuff it's like <laughs> i hope i don't know i you kind of hope that this film coming out and you know the era of the internet and stuff that this will gain him a whole new generation of fans as well because even like people like younger than us or even people our age you just weren't aware of him because of like you know you'd like the legacy to to, to kind of live on you know yeah, the problem is that, like, so much of it was, like, bootlegged, yeah, so there's true, no yeah. real, like, it's not like there's a DVD that didn't sell of, like, one of his live performances or yeah. anything. And part of, as well that I think of Frank as, like, the sheer disruption of everything, you know. <laughs> but that's the kind of cool ju- thing that people like. I just imagine him popping up in, like, the a, a was a Carabao Cup uh draw the like last season you know the carabao cup no <laughs> it's a it's one of the like uh english cups like football league cup you know like mm-hmm. the, you play matches and if you win you go to the next round but every round there's a draw and one of the draws they did it in the parking lot of a sainsbury's in like carlingford or something <laughs> And it's always like the the joke is like, what are you doing on a Tuesday in a Sainsbury in Carlingford? And I think that is like I can imagine yeah. Frank doing a Carabao Cup draw and nobody nobody knowing what is happening. But didn't he do like uh, he did an intro to a brass gig as well, where people were like, "What <laughs> the fuck?" Is yeah. This? We oh yeah, want like brass. The, the, the gig. Oh, it's just little Frank. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the when he was in Wembley introducing the band and everybody was like getting really tick by him as well because it's the genius of Chris Evick. He could have gone for the easy one when he just made it awkward and funny. Like of, uh, of the entirety of Wembley, maybe two people laughed. <laughs> yeah, but he was after those friend. two laughs. Yeah. Oh, well... That was uh, Being Frank, the Chris E.B. story. And it is on Amazon Prime. And it's probably other places. And it feels like the kind of thing that will end up on Netflix uh, as well. It's so. not in Europe. But not many things are in Amazon Prime in Europe. The one here is unreal. It's really weird. It's like, wow. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find us on Facebook. They're kind of... <laughs> If I can only speak English, uh, they can find us on. <laughs> they can find us on Facebook, the recommendation game, or on Twitter at the rec game. On Gmail is the recommendation game at gmail.com. You can also listen to us live, ish, uh, eleven to twelve every Monday or so in Dublin Digital Radio, and you can also catch our back episodes on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And next week's movie. So next week's... Yeah, yeah, you're prompting me things. Uh, <laughs> next week's movie is chosen by Orla. What is your movie, Orla? Uh, <laughs> it is The Paper from 1994. Directed by who? I can't remember. But uh, in this era of uh, journalists and you know conspiracy theories and whistleblowers... It's time to go back to 1994. 
Is it better than the shattered glass? Well, I suppose we'll have to wait and find out. That's oh, fucking lost. Oh, shattered glass. Oh, mwah. never more sad whenever you've seen shattered glass. Love that movie. Uh, cool. And uh, uh, realizing that Hayden Christensen is a good actor. Only in that movie, though. <laughs> Weirdly yeah. enough. <laughs> well, until then, I was Orla Mcinnes. Now was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week, I hope. <laughs>